This episode of the 614 Startups Podcast is brought to you by Ecove Capital. Are you a researcher or an inventor with a product or technology you want to commercialize and you're not quite sure how to get started? The team at Ecove can help you validate your idea, secure funding, and provide the support necessary to help your startup succeed. Check out Ecove Capital for more details. And Thompson Hine. Whether you just have an idea or a newly created startup or already working to scale, Thompson Hines' team of early and growth stage attorneys will provide you the support you need to get funded and succeed. Created to meet the needs and budgets of startups, Thompson Hines' quick launch has menu-based pricing and tons of great content. Visit thquicklaunch.com today. 614 Startups Nation, welcome to another episode of the 614 Startups Podcast. I'm here with a special guest. This episode is about 10 years in the making. He's finally in the studio. He couldn't dodge me anymore. <laughs> Mr. Brandon Jones of Black Hack. Welcome, Brandon. Hey, what's up, Elio? How you doing? Good to see you, man. Yeah, man. I got to get you hype every time I see you. That's just me, man. I, you know, somebody mentioned that probably last week. They said, you know what? I think that's just you. Every interview, every time we see you, it's... That's just you. You yeah. chill, laid back. You win the Super Bowl. Yeah. You baby, raise a million dollars. Baby was born. It was, hey. Same thing. It, it happened. All right. Now, Car I'll be remiss. stolen. Damn it. It's gone. You know. <laughs> it is what it is. It is what it is. All right. I'll be remiss if I don't mention that in the studio is your twin brother, yep. my man, Bruce Jones. Yeah. All right. So we're going to go hard with Brandon. Mm-hmm. Bruce is always by your side, man. I admire always. you guys so much. You know, I have brothers. Mm-hmm. They're older brothers, not my twins. But every time I see you guys, it's a reminder, hey, stay connected to your brothers. That's your blood. And I have to reconnect with my brother. So I really admire you guys' relationship, man. That's from that's from the heart. Most definitely. Family's all, right. all you got, you know. That's true. That's, how we that's true. Now, we met some time ago. Yeah. Uh, you've been working on a lot of different projects. We're going to talk about Black Hack here. Yeah. Uh, but every episode, I start with a little bit about your personal background. So why, for people who don't know you, where are you from? How did you come to be a founder of this company? So grew up Southside, Columbus, uh, Lockbourne, Smith area. Went to Marion Franklin High School, um, played sports. Uh, we started out as promoters. Uh, with a local group, Finesse Music. They're still out there. Yeah, pumping. I've heard of Finesse. Yep. So they, you know, shout out to Scott and Finesse and all the young cats that's still running with it. Uh, so, you know, we started out promoting. Uh, we started doing team parties in high school. Um, but, you know, just to take it back a little bit further, I mean, we had newspaper routes. You know, my dad had a basketball program. Um, one summer we were bored and broke at home just like any other kid. And we had about 500 uh, newspapers that, you know, I mean, accounts that we delivered to on a daily basis, seven days a week. Uh, That's not that, the 500 accounts? Yeah, 500 uh, wow. in middle school. So, you know, we thought about, we, you know, we had these back and forth conversations all the time. Like, damn, you know, why is it we stay up late? Why is it we wake up early and have all these different ideas? But we've been doing it since middle school, you mm-hmm. know. We don't leave, you know, we stay at home, you know, we, unless we're out doing an event or clubbing, like we at the crib, we chilling, we grinding, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. But that's cause you know, when you got a newspaper route, you got to be at home. You got to, you know, deliver the route by five, six o'clock in the morning, rain, sleet, snow, no matter, you know what I mean? You, you got to deliver and, and collect. Yeah, you got to deliver and collect, yeah. you know what I mean? So 
wasn't no days off. So mm-hmm. for us still, no days off. You know what I mean? So we used to that grind. So we had that paper route. Dad had a basketball program. Um, after the basketball program, he had a, a ton of merchandise selling T-shirts for a sports program and candy and stuff from concessions. We took that out to the paper route, sold it to all our customers, came back home with like 900 bucks, split it. That was like the first introduction to the hustle of like, yo, get something, flip it, resell it, you know, go back out there and, and keep it going. The pre-tax days. The, yeah. <laughs> when you get to keep all the money. Keep all the money, right? <laughs> so my dad, he didn't ask for nothing back. Like, hey, this is what I got in it. It mm-hmm. was just, yo, y'all went and did that. that that's what's up. So that that's what sparked it for us, right? So we had the paper route, um, like I said, hustling, um, promoters doing events uh, straight out of high school. So senior year, we started doing our own team parties, graduation parties, um, kind of rocking all the clubs and building a following from there. Um, it just kind of followed us into college, went to Ohio State, um, got big on campus there, tried out for the football team, did not make it, got cut. Um, we started at Ohio Dominican felt like we were going to take our talents to OSU and you know, walk on and be those guys. Got cut. Didn't even make the first cut. You tried. Yeah, we tried. A lot of people don't even make the, you know, never suit up to even try on the practice Exactly. Field. Yeah. Yep. So, but then that was our first introduction, our real introduction to networks and how important it is to kind of know who's who, you know. So when we, when we were trying out, there's probably like 300 of us trying out. And there were some people who were trying out, but never tried out and made the team. Mm. And there were some people who tried out and they tried out, but they didn't do all of the workouts and made the team. And then we were busting our ass, like practicing drills for like four months before the tryout, you know, just to get in shape. Mm -hmm. Didn't make the cut. Wow. You know what I mean? So we were like, oh, still, but we saw, we noticed it at the tryout that, you know, this person shaking hands with this agility coach and this, you know, the head coach is walking in saying what's up to these guys. We're like, damn, I thought we were all off the street, fresh. Some of these guys already came in, validated, already knew who's who. Mm-hmm. Already had that look. So, you know, that was our first introduction of kind of really building the network, um, how important relationships were. Um, so from OSU, uh, we had a, uh, different ideas. So, you know, at OSU, cleaning jobs um, were one of the things that we kind of did. To I remember that. Remember you bills. guys talking about that. Yeah. And, yeah. and this is an ongoing thing, right? You yeah. guys still have the cleaning business. Yep. Okay. Yep. So, so Bruce uh, was kind of introduced to the cleaning job uh, earlier. He had a, a separate cleaning job and then got another cleaning job at OSU. Um, and then, you know, that's when he kind of noticed the way the contract business worked. Um it was big, big money in cleaning business, you know, outside of getting paid $8 an hour to clean a building for five hours. You know, there's cats really walking away with $10,000 contracts to clean it a month, you know, mm. and you cleaning the whole contract by yourself. Maybe you or somebody else, you know, two people cleaning a building for $200 every two weeks and the owner's walking away with 10000 So got introduced to that, said, hey. You know, that's one been our biggest thing always. You know, if if there's a clear idea of how to make money in this, if we feel like we can do it, we're going to take a stab at it and try to figure it out. We're always going to try to figure out how to cut out the middleman and just do it ourselves. And that's what we've done. And 
So we got into to the cleaning business, uh, got a franchise, um, but we always knew it was bigger and better things outside of just cleaning and kind of stumbled across the technology space. We always knew we wanted to be in that space. Um, and then from there, you know, Bruce was, once again, it goes back to Bruce. Bruce was um, doing uh, film, film and TV. Um, went to uh, school and was learning how to do film work and worked for ESPN and got his first gig at OSU and uh, doing stuff with the Clippers um, and started helping um, small-time freelancers create content, you know, uh, shoot, edit, and shop it around. Went to a film festival out in Miami, him and a couple other people, and they were at that film festival. Um, and he saw that, you know, all the people at the film festival uh, at the film festival were shopping content. There were no buyers in the room. So the distribution pipeline was busted, mm. especially if there's nobody to buy the content. So you've got all these independent film content creators spending $600 for a ticket to get to this film festival, probably more just to get there, right? But that's the hustle. That's the hustle, mm -hmm. right? So once again, event. So we, we, we saw that idea like, damn, we could... You either do a film festival or conferences and events is yeah. where it's at. And this is before probably um, content creators really had multiple avenues to monetize without the distribution. This is when distribution had a lot. Right? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, even even though content is expensive. Yeah. It's like, again, networks, you had to be vouched for for your content to be purchased. But now content creators have a little bit more. Mm -hmm. um, they, they have many more options. Right. Yeah. So maybe the tables are changing a little bit. But I, I do remember that time. Right. When yeah. when distribution wasn't there, your content wasn't going to get out. Yeah. Yeah. So that that outlet wasn't wasn't as available as it is now. Um, so, you know, that's kind of what he came back with. He came back with the problem like, hey, we were there, we spent all this money, but we didn't even have a shot. Nobody had a shot. You know, we were kind of just celebrating content. <laughs> You're right. <laughs> mm -hmm. So um, one day, you know, we at, were at home, um, watched everything on Netflix. Cable was off. So we weren't necessarily cord cutters. They cut our cord uh, from cable and we were just watching Netflix, still paying $200 a month for the cable internet bill. Um, so, you know, he went and had a date night, right? So he's out at date night and I watched everything that was on Netflix that I wanted to see that was black, mm -hmm. right? But I also watched everything else. Um, so then he came back and we were like, man, what are we going to watch? There's nothing else on here that we really want to watch. And then that's when we were like, yo, we need to create our own Netflix. And this is before Netflix original content. Yeah. Which is what's dominating Netflix now. Yeah, that's all it is. It's not necessarily licensing content. Yeah. They're like, yeah, licensing content costs too much. We might yeah. as well produce our own content. Yep. So they right. started producing their own content, but then they also saw that they're producing quality content. Um, and, and they have a ton of titles that they're producing that they can also license out, you know? So, you know, you see some of these shows in the, on, on Redbox, you mm -hmm. know, people are able to watch House of Cards on Redbox and stream them on other They're platforms. trying to get to syndication yeah. too. Exactly. So yeah. that's another revenue stream for them. So we said, you know what, we're going to create our own Netflix. We're going to create the black version of Netflix. We're going to solve the distribution problem, but we're also going to solve our problem as bingers who can't binge our own content that we want to see. You know, we wanted to see The Fresh Prince, The Martins, The Living Single, 227, 
all of our classics outside of the, you know, stereotypical black films, you know, that's always on TV and shopped around. Like, where's the rest of the content that we want to see? And it wasn't available on Netflix. So, you know, we started with that idea. Right. And mm-hmm. that's what kind of really got us moving around the ecosystem. Uh, we went to um, all the people that we knew were already in the startup space. So we first meeting we went to was Rodney Williams with Listener. But 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 this is still early, early yeah. Columbus startup ecosystem yeah. that you're talking about. It's like a desert. Yep. Right. So you you you're coming out. When Columbus startup ecosystem is still a baby. Yeah, the first time we came up with the idea was Tech Columbus. Mm-hmm. It wasn't even Rev One. Right. So you know we we're looking up everybody who's a mover and shaker. I mean they're still kind of early at that time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So this is early, early, early on. Yeah. 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 Very early. Um, so you know we started basically making our rounds, trying to figure out how to get this startup launched, um, how to get it off the ground. Um, went to all the events, you know, everybody said, Hey, you need to go to startup week. You need to go to startup weekend. You need to go to different meetups. We did that, got connected, uh, met Ryan Frederick, uh, at AWH. Um, cause at the time we were looking for a developer to just to build our prototype, build our beta. So we can have an MVP to help us shop that around to even get some funding. Um, and then, you know, matter of fact, we met Alex Brown. Dickinson Wright. He's his attorney. So we met him. He introduced us to Ryan. First, before we met Ryan, we met Chris uh, over at AWH. And then we met Ryan. And then from there, Ryan and uh, AWH start building our uh, prototype and our uh, beta platform for Flix. And then um, we just really built a strong relationship. You know what I mean? You start building a friendship, hanging out going to startup grind events. Um, he invited us to different events to pitch to and plugging us into his network real tough. Um, he um, invited us out to a startup week event. Uh, it was a holiday event for startup week. I think maybe, so Brian was running it. It was maybe year three. I feel like I'm listening to like, you know, like we're on a documentary right yeah. now and you're retelling the story of the birth of the Columbus startup right. ecosystem, right? So yeah. these are all people that are early, early. It's like Dan Rockwell yeah. and being like the lead organizer for some of these events that you're going to. Yeah, yeah. So we we went to that event, we pitched, um, and that's when the light bulb went off. It already went off before that because we were watching ecosystems in other cities and we already saw that, you know, it was all events based driven. Wow. Like, yeah, and it was, they, you know, in other cities, they have bigger conferences and stuff like that. Um, locally, it's kind of more meetups than conferences. Mm-hmm. Um, and then we saw all of the ecosystem builders that had startups, right? So they like built the ecosystem, they controlled the ecosystem, which is the network and the relationships, but they also had a startup that they were pitching along the way, right? So as I continue to build relationships, I get closer to who's who, and then eventually we got a relationship and then they're investing in in my startup. Like that's what we noticed in other ecosystems. Mm-hmm. So we said, you know, our ecosystem is not as developed you know, to kind of move things around as fast. But the biggest thing that we saw was lack of diversity and inclusion. You know, we're no black people. Like, it really maybe one or two. And at that time, we never saw 
So, <laughs> <laughs> so when we were going to all the events, every time it was me and Bruce in a room, all white. You know what I mean? And we're like, this this shit got to change. Like, it got to be more black people that's coming up with ideas or especially when you're trying to pitch the cultural significance of all black content network with yeah. shows like Martin. Yeah. Now, if you didn't watch Martin, okay, so first of all, yeah. let me let me let me just recap since you're telling history here. Yeah. When I first came to the states, this was when a network first went primetime all black shows. Mhm. All right? Sent the whole industry crazy. Now on the East Coast, this was Fox. So it'd be Thursday night. Yep. It'd be Martin, Living Single, and then New York Undercover. Yep. Now, if you didn't live through that era, or you don't understand what happens when your whole prime time goes black, mm-hmm. and I'm pitching you a network of all black shows. You you can't understand it because you don't understand what that means. Yeah. Like Pete, they observe like big brands um, um, from a from an entertainment perspective, like Beyonce yeah. or Jay Z. But they don't understand when Beyonce does Coachella and brings out the b- black marching band, mm-hmm. it shifts culture. Oh yeah. You, you, but when you're in a room like that and you're pitching the cultural significance of what you're trying to do, it's not understood. It's more like, well, what's the metrics? What, what, how many users are you growing? Yeah. They're looking at it purely from a standpoint of how you would measure anything else. Yep. And so for us, that was our billion dollar idea, mm-hmm. hands down. We're like, man, if we if we if we grab this content, we grab the game. Like it's over with. And when we were going around pitching people, you know, it was night and day. They completely like did not get it. You know, we were pitching them, and we, were, you know, we were tell them our bangers like, "Yo, Martin is a classic." Like just that one best TV show ever. They like, yeah, Martin Lawrence. Hmm, I'm trying to think of who Martin Lawrence is. <laughs> Big Mama. Right. Oh yeah, Big Mama. <laughs> right, right. And so, and it'd be the same thing. Like if we talk to them about. Eddie Murphy classic movies, right? Mm-hmm. And we were like, yeah, yeah, man, we need probably all the nutty professors. They didn't get who Eddie Murphy was until you mentioned Beverly Hills Cop. Yeah. Right. If we said Fresh Prince, you know, they kind of got that part, mm-hmm. but it was like, it was hit or miss on on the actors that we call icons and legends, depending on the title that they resonate with. So if that wasn't in our pitch, we blew the pitch from the start. Mm. So, like, we didn't have a shot. Yeah, so it does matter Yeah, who you're talking to because yeah. context matters, Yeah, right? So I, I definitely understand kind of you guys being the pioneer in that space, right? Mm-hmm. As kind of being the first people not only to notice it, but then tr- decide to do something about it. Yeah. And so you're pitching flicks. You guys are going through that process of trying to find somebody who understands not only the traditional metrics, but the cultural significance of a streaming service like that at scale. Yeah. But you're seeing the lack of diversity, and that's probably part of the problem. Yep. yep. Where so do you go next? So the same thing we were solving in flicks with the lack of diversity on their streaming platforms, whether it's Amazon and Hulu and Netflix, which were the three big dogs then, still the big dogs now. But... We started to go around pitching everybody and we said, okay, the same problem that we're pitching to fix in streaming is the same thing in this ecosystem. Um, so we went to that startup week event, once again, the only black guys in the room. And we were like, yo, this this is like 
the final straw. We gotta we gotta fix this because you know every time we're we're pitching flicks, they don't get it. They also don't get us as founders. They don't get our story, our origin, where we're coming from. It's a completely disconnect. So we have to kind of completely build a black ecosystem within this all white ecosystem, get it to mix. And then now, you know, if other founders of color are coming and pitching, you know, black ideas or ideas that, you know, are targeted to this market or demographic, now they'll start to maybe do some due diligence and research and kind of at least try to figure it out. You know what I mean? See that there's an opportunity here. So, mm-hmm. you know, so that's what, that's where we started with Black Act. You know, we. And I, I feel like when you have a conversation like this, the first thing that goes to somebody's mind is that we are insinuating that somehow they are racist, like because they don't get it. No, mm-hmm. no, no, no. It would be like if I'm an investor and like the girl who founded the company that makes Spanx, I don't even know if the company is Spanx, Mm -hmm. and she's pitching me, I'd be like, give me the Spanx. Let me go home and ask somebody who knows about Spanx. You know what I mean? Like, let me talk to people who would actually use the product. I, I think that's what we're getting at here. It's not necessarily... Oh, this is something that's intentional. It's just that it. I can't even relate to what you're saying about, you know, in the case of Spanx, somebody who would use this and why it would matter that you would want to have a certain figure and feel good about yourself and spend X number of dollars on this thing, right? Exactly. It's a lack of immediate resonance when you hear the idea. Yeah. You know, like they say, you know, you don't know what you don't know. So Mm -hmm. that's the case. And that's been the case for the longest. I think it's starting to turn now, you know. Um, So that that was our movement. You know, Black Hack is what we created. Um, We got together and we said, you know, we basically need to mirror and copy exactly what's already being done in the ecosystem. And that was a monthly event. You know, it was as simple as that. We said, listen, we need to find a way to build this community um, around the startup space. So Startup Grind uh, was really like the only major player doing a monthly And that was event. Ryan's thing, Yeah, right? that's Ryan Frederick. Mm-hmm. So, so he was doing Startup Grind events every single month. And we said, you know, we need to mirror the same business model, same concept, uh, call it Black Hack. It was basically Black folks hacking anything, you know. So for us, startups and technology was the conversation. But uh, originally, it was just anything, whether it was health, it was um, entrepreneurship, it's tech, it's startups, it's anything that you could think of is what we were going to talk about. Um, all the conversations really started out entrepreneurship um, in, in some startups and tech. So, you know, the first year we partnered up with Rev1. Uh, we built a pipeline partnership with uh, Jumpstart in Cleveland, launched a second chapter out there in Cleveland. And then we uh, launched in Cincinnati uh, with Centrifuge, um, Cincy Tech, uh, Candice at the forefront Um she didn't have Hillman then, but she was getting ready to launch it right right around the same time. All right. Now, building a startup is hard. Yeah. Doing an events company, a conference company, even though the, the underlying goal is to kind of diversify the face of tech, what are some of the things that you've run into starting this business that were either unexpected and you're running into? How are you navigating this world of trying to address something that we all are aware of, but we really haven't found that um, silver bullet for addressing it? What What are you seeing as you're building Black Hack? I would say in the beginning, one of the hardest things um, doing Black Hack, um, you know, so having a promoter background, mm-hmm. that portion was easy. 
building Black Hack, building the format, the concept of it, how we're going to do it, how how frequently we're going to do it. That was the easiest part of doing Black Hack. Like I said, when we go back to our finesse music days and, and throwing parties, I mean, you're talking about managing uh, sometimes Tuesday through Sunday events. Every single night had a different theme, you know, targeting a different crowd, managing a different club. So you're managing three or four venues a week, four or five different nights a week. Like, so you're talking about almost 20, 30 events a month. That was easy. You know what I mean? So to say we're going to focus on one event a month, you know, the so that part was easy for us. Uh, the biggest, you know, thing we had to do was try to figure out and kind of find and do some research on successful black founders in this space. Um, and if not a successful black founder, a successful black or brown entrepreneur, you know what I mean? And then when you start to really do that research, the list gets really small. So then now you have to really plug into Cleveland, plug into Cincinnati, Youngstown and all the surrounding areas to really do some research and 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 try to bring them out and shine some light on those, you know, successful entrepreneurs. But then also now to do some research on the community and these different subsegments of the black community and then making sure that you're, you know, marketing to them and, and showing them that it's doable and, you know, explain to them why they should come out and try to try to plug in. Yeah, so you have these big huge success stories and massive failures as, as well that are kind of that are unavoidable no matter who you are when you're in the United States. But a lot of things about technology about startups I feel is outside of the black consciousness, right? Unless you really make an effort to get into it. Everybody's heard of Facebook, YouTube, mm-hmm. et cetera. These, these massive valuations on these tech companies and WeWork got into a little bit of trouble recently and all of that. Yeah. But now because it's so pervasive, pervasive, this idea of entrepreneurship, this idea of building a startup now is creeping into the mainstream, mm-hmm. right? But are you finding that people understand, like people who come to Black Hack events, why it's important to not only know about it or dabble in it on the periphery, but actually jump right in and be part of the ecosystem that you live in. Yeah, I feel like they are now. I feel like, you know, they're coming around the corner now. Um, But I think that's because just overall, globally and nationally, you start to see more conversations about it. You know, it's popping up on Shade Room. It's popping up on Blavity. It's, you know, it's all our Instagram feeds, you know, you, you start to see a sprinkle of this black founder raised this or this black founder had an exit of this or, you know, somebody's doing X amount of month on this type of business. So it's a lot more intriguing. It looks a lot more doable. In the very beginning, it was so not- you got your Kobe Bryant's with a yeah, fund. Yeah. You got your Andre Iguodala yep. with a fund. So, Issa Rae just put some money down on a streaming service. Right. Things like that are yep. increasing awareness. Yep. So now when you've got more athletes and entertainers getting into it, um, you know, we, we haven't had our Mark Zuckerberg moment yet where that one founder hit for a Billy, right? Um, and then we haven't had a black startup who has sold for billions, right? And the first two to 300 employees, which maybe half are black and brown, also are all liquid millionaires, Right. So I haven't seen that story yet. Yeah. Um, 
that I think that's the ultimate goal. I know we were inspired by the Zuckerberg movie, right? The network. When we watched that movie at the theater, we were like, yo, this is it. We gotta this is what we gotta figure out. It's not cleaning. You know, that's cool. That pays the bills. You know, that's that's how we eat every night. But this this startups, this technology, either raising money or exiting a company, like that's that's where you get liquid, right? So that's that's what sparked us. And I think that's, you know, keeping that conversation going is what's sparking everybody else. Mm-hmm. Listen, Brandon, we could talk all day. Yeah. At some point, we got to cut it off. But I want to do a special episode with you and Bruce here. And I want to do the historian's guide to the Columbus startup ecosystem as seen through your eyes. Because I think you guys probably have some amazing stories about where we started and where we are today. Yeah. Let's talk about the future of Black Hack, right? Yeah. As you scale this business up, as you continue to grow, you have multiple chapters. What, what what are you guys looking for from Black Hack over the next five years? Over the next five years, we are hoping to get to a point where we raise a huge fund, uh, probably about $20 million or so. Uh, we're going to be launching an accelerator program in the near future, also launching a co-working space. So like I said, the original plan in the beginning was to build out an ecosystem through awareness and conversation and events. We did that. We accomplished that. Did that for about three years. Still keeping that going. So Black Hack is the the grassroots on the ground foundation to keep the conversation alive and build a community around it and to plug in uh, to the existing ecosystem to keep continue to push the, you know, mindset of diversity, equity, and inclusion, right? Um, and then to, like I said, have an ecosystem to where those same black and brown founders feel supported. So a safe space for them to feel innovative, to hack those ideas, to launch and scale those ideas, but also to get our black who's who to come to the table with their own funding and to actually fund and support these same ideas, these founders and entrepreneurs, so it's teaching them how to become angel investors, teaching them how to plug into the ecosystem, and they should also be raising a fund. Um, and and then for us to kind of scale everything together. So that's our that's what our pipeline looks like in the next five years. You know, build a, a co working space, launch an accelerator program, and then launch a fund. All right. Now, if somebody's heard the story and they've heard the vision and they want to connect with you, they want to support what you guys are doing, how do people get in touch with you? Uh, you can hit us up on Instagram at Black Hack. You can uh, email us at uh, brandon.jones, bruce.jones at blackhack.com. Um, we're out everywhere. We're touchable. So if you see us, tap us on the shoulder, say what's up. Um, and of course, go to an event, to follow an event. the website, check yeah. out all the events that they have yeah. going on in Columbus, Cleveland, and in Cincinnati and, and wherever you guys might have a chapter. Yeah. All right. So listen, you had lessons learned all along the way. But if you could go back to your younger self and give yourself one piece of advice, right? 18-year-old Brandon, 20-year-old Brandon, what would it be? Uh, see, advice I would say is don't second guess yourself. Start faster. Quit faster. And continue not to give up. I mean, I don't think we ever gave up. That's, I think that's why we're in a position we're in now. We don't quit. Um, but, you know, like 
back to my one thing I said is learning when to quit. You know, there's certain things you probably should quit sooner. Quit strategically. Yeah. And, yeah. and you know, sometimes you hang on to that way longer than it should be, whether that's personal relationships, those are, you know, business relationships, is business ideas, businesses in general, you know, knowing which one is going to hit, which one's not, and keep it moving. And that's the same thing for relationships. You know, you can have a terrible relationship you hang on to for 20 years and that's the reason you're not successful yeah in everything else yeah. yeah well brandon thank you so much for joining me man i really appreciate it and i close every podcast with my one thing and i like the way you ended this podcast about strategic quitting right and you know there's an ancient scripture that says a double-minded man is unstable in all his ways. If you have something that you really want to pursue, you have to be absolutely focused. And take Brandon's advice, man, because it ain't nothing to cut that idea off. <laughs> 614 Startups Nation, thank you so much for joining us. Peace. <laughs> 614 Startups Nation, it's a wrap. Thank you for listening. You can listen to this podcast on our website, www.614startups.com, and on all your favorite podcast channels like Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Anchor, and Google Podcasts. Make sure you like, subscribe, and comment. Also, 614startups.com is your one-stop shop for Columbus startup news, interviews, and events. Make sure you make 614startups.com part of your daily routine to stay up to date.